Welcome to the Present Fathers Podcast. This is the show that focuses on climbing the mountain of fatherhood together. We believe that dads matter. That's why this show is for you. So gear up, dads. Get ready. It's time to start climbing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Present Fathers Podcast. My name is George. Um, I'm joined by the typical crew tonight of Brandon, Dustin, and Justin. And we have a guest tonight, Wells. Uh, Wells Middleton is a, uh, a father himself, father to two sons. We're going we're gonna to start uh, with him and his story, and we're going to have a great conversation tonight about um, overcoming you know, adversity and, and uh, more than that, really tragedy, and uh, just kind of balancing the craziness of life and being a father on top of that. So, Wells, we are super excited for you to join us tonight. Why don't you start off, tell us about you and your family, uh, tell us about your sons, tell us about your wife, and, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so uh, my name's Wells Middleton. I'm from Natchez, Mississippi, and uh, I'm married to my wife, Lacey, and we have two boys, Conrad, who is six, and Levi, who is two. And uh, yeah, I've been married to my wife. It's coming up on 10 years. We've been together for 16 years. We were high school sweethearts. I was uh, actually, I was her first kiss in seventh grade. No way. Yes. And, <laughs> nice. Uh, she like, uh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to snatch it up early. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, my uh, one of my best friends from high school was dating her best friend. And um, I mean, I remember just from moments I laid eyes on her. I was like, that's who I want. I want her to be my girlfriend. And I was always nervous because I knew like she was way too pretty for me. And uh, fortunately, I, uh, I snagged her and got her. So, <laughs> Yeah, so again, I have two boys, Conrad and Levi, and uh, yeah, that's about awesome. it. Hey, man, well, that is we're, one, we're super thrilled you're here. Uh, thanks for sharing about your family, and uh, I, I love the the artwork in the back that you have of them. It's the, the kind of the the classic, like, Napoleon pose, but it's, yeah. just, it's just so cool. Yeah, we have a great photographer here in Natchez, T.G. McCary. He took those photos. Like, that's hey, awesome. Did a great job. Yeah, they look really, really good. So um, let's go ahead and break the ice for those who may not know. Um, you don't have hands, right? So I don't know if you want to show that off to everyone. But yeah, um, so yeah. let's let's take it back. It's been about less than three years, close to three years now since, yeah, since the accident. Going on. Yeah, it'll be three years on August the 6th. Okay. Um, well, why don't you just take us back then um, and kind of start telling the story of, of how that happened. And uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so uh, my wife was pregnant with my second son, Levi, and um, during her pregnancy, whenever she would eat, we found out that 30 minutes or 45 minutes after she would eat, she would pass out. And it was something, that, I guess, their stomach expanding or whatever, and it was pushing on something. We never figured out why, but one morning she was heading to work, and uh, she worked about 45 minutes out of town. And uh, she passed out driving and hit a sign and everything. And she woke up to two men banging on her window. And uh, so after that, I was like, every doctor's appointment that you have, I'm driving you. Because we would have to go to Baton Rouge, which is an hour and 15, 20 minutes away to the doctor. So I was like, every time you go in there, I'm going to drive you down there. And um, so the day before the accident, which is August the 5th, we were discussing about you know, me, I was like, you know, I don't, I'm not going to go to work tomorrow. I'm going to drive you down to Baton Rouge to the doctor. And she was like, you know, we, 
you need to go to work. You know, it's, you know, got another week for the baby. You don't need to miss any more work. You need to go to work and um, get those hours in. So I was like, all right. So the next morning I woke up and went out the door like every other normal day and uh, got to work. And um, it was just a normal day, man. I was, I was on top of the world. I was all excited knowing I was fixing to meet my second son and just thinking about what's he going to look like and, and everything and couldn't wait to hold him and all that stuff. And, you know, just wrap my arms around him. And then, you know, when you, the baby's like, hold your fingers and squeeze it. You know, it's all, I, I just couldn't wait for any of that, you know? And so that day, I, uh, we, it was, we was on break and I just got through with break and I came out and, uh, I was talking to a few of my work friends and um, I got put on this machine that I normally I, I run a, a computerized welding machine. And um, this was COVID was going on. We had layoffs and we were shorthanded, no pun intended, uh, people and um, at work. And so I, my supervisor put me on this machine. It's a rolling machine and you put metal in it. And it and you roll it back and forth and it forms metal. It can it can mm. it make what we did was we made tanks and um for the food and wine industry and the oil and gas industry. So okay. these um we would get uh we had overhead cranes that we would put this plate metal into the machine. And this plate metal could be four inches thick, twelve, wow. twenty foot long. I mean it was big pieces of steel. And uh we we were um working on stainless steel so with stainless this machine you have to wrap the rollers in carpet and then duct tape the carpet around it because you don't want stainless and carbon metals right stainless and oh, carbon good. metals to um touch it because carbon will contaminate stainless and cause okay. it to rust and stain so the machine i was on it's supposed to be operated by two people and my supervisor went to the um uh, area to where you operate the machine and he uh they had it was lever action and so if you wanted the machine to roll forward you push the lever forward and then whenever you let go it was spring loaded so it automatically would come right back to neutral and the machine would stop and so he needed the machine to roll so i could put the duct tape on it so he duct taped the lever forward and uh so i got over there to the machine and I'm starting to duct tape it and everything. And the best way to try to describe it is like, you know, those dough rollers that you roll out dough. So imagine two on the bottom and like one on the middle. And um, so I was duct taping carpet on it. And um, next thing I know, I just feel just my arm something just grab me, grab my hand. And um, it starts That's immediately just out of reaction. I reached with my right hand and started trying to pull it out of there. Well, it ended up pulling my right hand in there, too. Oh, no. And it just started immediately crushing. I mean, it just sounded like a bags of Lay's potato chips just squeezing and just the crunching. And, the, and um, it started pulling me in. And that's when I started just screaming. I was, I was making noises that I, I never even knew I could make. And um, luckily, my supervisor and another work guy, um, he heard they heard me scream. And so they ran over and they ripped off the duct tape to stop the machine. And they uh, 
reverse the machine out so it roll my hands back out wow um, yeah so and there was supposed to be a um a safety uh cord that runs along the bottom where your feet are so if you were to step on it it would shut the machine off mm. and that was removed that wasn't there so basically if they wouldn't have heard me scream and holler it would have just it would have just pulled me in that machine and i'd have came out like a pancake oh my goodness and, um so once I got my hands out of the machine, I, I held them up to look at them and the skin from my right, from my left hand all the way down to my elbow, all that was degloved and was hanging down by my belt. And you I mean, you could see the, yeah. Boring. And, um, and then, uh, and I had fingers missing. I had some fingers had was just the bone. I didn't have a thumb. My thumb was off. And then with my, my right hand, it was smashed and flat and it had fingers missing too. And I mean, blood was just going everywhere. And what happened, what immediately what happened, it would have popped in my mind was when I must have been in fifth or sixth grade, I was watching a TV show and it was talking about police officers and military and them getting shot. And a lot of times they lose a lot of blood by not by freaking out. And it causes their heart rate to race. And I never thought about that show again until I got my hands out of that machine and I saw all the blood. And I immediately it just popped in my head. And I started just taking a deep breath. I didn't. I wasn't in any pain. My, I mean, I was just my. Um, uh, shoot, um, my mind's going. The adrenaline and everything was going yeah. on. I didn't, have, didn't feel any pain. I just was really in shock. And so I used my right hand to scoop up the skin and hold it and walk over to some pallets and sit down. Wow. And, um, I, yeah, they, uh, they, the sirens were going off all the first, we have first responders that, you know, to take classes there and stuff. So they all yeah. came over to help and, um, they got me some water and I immediately told them, call my mom, call my dad, tell them to get to the hospital. And so I sat there and they got some towels to wrap my arms up with and blood's going everywhere. And I'm just sitting there thinking, when am I going to die? Like, when does, when do I know I'm fixing to die? Cause I know I'm going to bleed out. I mean, the blood was just everywhere. And yeah. um, so they were sitting there and I kept going, I started just kind of wanting to take a nap. I was real tired and I kept trying to close my eyes and they would, they would do a sternum rub. And it would cause me to wake up, but it caused me to move my arm. So what, mm. uh, what they ended up doing is they would just slap me in the face whenever <laughs> I would start closing my eyes. And um, I just remember just saying just to myself, just make it to the ambulance. You know, the ambulance is on its way. Just make it to the ambulance. And um, it felt like a lifetime for the ambulance to get there, but they got there pretty quick. And uh, I got on the ambulance and they immediately started cutting away all my clothes and everything. And um, my arms are so destroyed. They can't put any lines or anything like that in my, um, in my arms. So we get to the, uh, we're headed to the hospital and I'm, you no, know, I'm just talk, telling them, you know, I've got a son. My wife's fixing to have a baby next week. Like y'all right. cannot let me die. Please do not let me die. Just get me to the hospital. And they, um, you know, they were telling me, you know, we're, you're not going to die. You know, we're going to get you there. You're going to be fine. And I was just like, just make it to the I kept setting little goals. Right. And I was just like, just get me to the hospital. If I can just make it to the hospital. And then um, when we pulled up to the hospital, I uh, looked out the window 
of the ambulance, and I saw my mom and dad. And, um, you know, I told them to cover up my arms and everything, so I didn't mm. want my parents to see how bad it was. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't want them. I, I told them, "Don't let my parents in the room." I didn't want because I knew I was gonna. I had just. I was like, "I'm gonna die," and I didn't want my parents to watch me die. And um, so I told the doctors and nurses, "Please don't allow them in the room." And so they got me out of the ambulance. I remember looking at my mom and dad and just nodding my head to them. You know, just kind of letting them know I'm gonna be all right. So, and, so um, you've been you've been coherent this entire time. Yeah, I didn't not- pass out. Not a single second. I mean, it's just wild, man. Because yeah, like, I, know. I mean, I, I, I wish I would have passed out for the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> but so the whole time you're just thinking, you have your son on the way, and then and then you even have the presence of mind, like I don't want my parents to see me this way. I mean, so and the fact that you can still remember all that is also right. just yeah. insane to me. That sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, no. Just... and also we um, are right, well, we get to the hospital and um. I have a friend of mine, and um, his, his mom is the most holiest woman I've ever met in my life. I mean, she is God sent. I mean, she's an angel, and she happened to be working that day. So once I got into the emergency, once I got into the room, it was twenty. It seemed like twenty, thirty people everywhere, and um, her name is Miss Carolyn, and um, she was there, and she came in and she wrapped her arms around me. And just started praying for me and everything. And in that moment, I kind of felt like, you know, I'm if I go, like I'm okay now. I'm like, it's kind of like I'm, I could die right now and I'll be fine. Um, so they're scrambling around, and and I remember looking up, and they started to take the uh, towels and stuff off of my arms. Yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna look at everybody's face in here, just so I'm, because I want to see their reaction, their facial expressions, to see how bad I really am. And when they pulled those towels back, their eyes were the size of a silver dollar. You know, they were just taken away. And um, so they couldn't put any lines or anything in my arm. So the next thing I remember hearing is, Mr. Middleton, we're sorry, this is going to hurt. And a couple of people laid on top of me and held me down. And they got out a drill. And they immediately started drilling into my shin bone. And that's the first time I felt pain. And um, just yeah, intraosseous hurts like crazy. Yes. Yeah, right and into the they, bone to give you medication. Yeah. So it's, it hurts like crazy. Yeah. And uh, so they started drilling in, then they put a line in, and then I just remember if I could just make it to the helicopter now, I'll be good to go. If I can, I just knew if I can make it to the helicopter alive, I knew after that once I get to a bigger hospital with a trauma unit and everything, I'll be I'll be fine. And um, so I I don't know maybe. 10 minutes or so I believe that the um the helicopter got there and they started wheeling me out and I saw my dad and my mom and you know said my you know goodbye I'll, you know see you whenever I see you and um so they put me on the helicopter and they uh life flighted me to Jackson Mississippi and um I was on the helicopter and I started getting really 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 cold and I was like uh-oh I'm about to die and so I started telling the uh, nurse, I'm cold, I'm cold, I'm cold, freaking out. And it was just, luckily, it was just the AC in the helicopter. It was really cold in there. So that was, uh, she told me, you know, you're not, that's just the AC, baby. You're not going to die. And, the only time um, you ever hear AC, you're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> well, yeah. I still have to say, I mean, I, I'm amazed that, like, even after all that, you were still that coherent 
to acknowledge that like I'm getting cold. I mean, I've literally seen people go into shock for like a dislocated shoulder and the fact that you're like, I mean, I, I'm just blown away. You must be tough as nails, man. Cause I mean, I, um, I have, I, yeah, I have, it's, um, I've had, I've, I'd say I have a pretty high tolerance of pain. Um, I, yeah, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. So I remember, um, next time and then i don't remember too much of the helicopter ride just that part and then i remember waking up in icu and jackson and my and my wife was right beside me waking up and um i did two surgeries there in jackson before they i got transported to uh baton rouge to our lady of the lake and um my dad was able to find a uh he called a family friend of ours. That's a doctor and was able to find a, a hand surgeon. And, uh, cause they were, they started amputating, you know, cutting fingers off and stuff like that. And we were in like, we wanted to save as much as my hands as possible. And, um, so I get transported to Baton Rouge to our lady, the lake. And I stayed there for about a month there. And, um, uh, I think I did a total of, I did 15 surgeries in Baton Rouge. I did 12 while I was in the hospital for a month and then three after that. But yeah, that was a, um, a, a, you know, when I finally realized that I didn't have fingers and stuff, it was, it was real, it was real hard. It, you know, it got, it got me real down, you know, it got, I was down and sad. Yeah. And, it, it, so how long, and then how long too, from when you first get to the hospital to your son is being born? And so like, were you even, did you even know that your wife was in labor or? Yeah. So I was, um, they, uh, we had a, uh, we had a scheduled date set for, uh, she had a scheduled C-section. And, um, so what we did is, uh, this was when peak COVID was going on in the hospital and I was only allowed one person in the room. And, um, at the beginning it was my wife. She stayed with me for, a few days, maybe two or three days. And then my mom and my dad would interchange out. And, um, so what we did is I was fortunate that at the hospital, they had, um, iPads and they would have, and they would on stands and they would bring them to like each room and let people FaceTime and stuff like that and talk. So, um, she was right across the street or not across the street, but I could see the hospital, Baton Rouge general. That's where she had, uh, the baby there. And so they brought an iPad in the, in the operating room there. And, uh, so we FaceTimed each other and, uh, I watched it through the iPad. Well, I, it's obviously you wish you could be there, but I'm glad that they were able to, you know, kind of, yeah, I know, yeah very, very thankful, very thankful for that. Yeah. yeah and I, I actually work in Baton Rouge and both of them are my clients. Uh, and I can tell you Baton Rouge general and our lady are phenomenal groups. Uh, they really try to give the extra mile for their patients and they have phenomenal doctors as well. So it's, it's small world to hear you saying that. Cause I'm an hour and 15 from Baton Rouge and you're, you're up in Natchez. So it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of crazy to hear you talk about the same places that, you know, I frequent. Yeah. So I had a uh, Dr. Robichaud was my doctor. <laughs> I've heard that name before. I've never met him, but it's, I think he has a dad, and then his dad does the same thing. 
like a hand surgeon. That's wild. That's a that's actually a common thing in Baton Rouge. There's a lot of father son or father daughter uh, combinations. Yeah, very fortunate for him. Yeah, that was in the ambulance. That's when I was getting transported to okay uh, Baton Rouge. All right, and so that that's after. So it's after the event. You've had some surgeries. Mm -hmm. This is transporting you I elsewhere. Had, yeah, I had two surgeries, and that's when I was getting transported to Baton Rouge. Yeah. Okay, and so for those who are just going to listen in later, we're showing a photo of uh, Wells in the ambulance being transported. And so, um, you, you, Wells, you shared several photos on your Instagram, kind of chronicling some of this process. So, how many how many surgeries in total were there? Total, I think it was sixteen or seventeen total. Okay. And so 16 or 17 total. And then what was, and then what was the conversation, you know, cause, cause at that point they were trying to save as much as they could, right? Yeah. They were so trying to save as much as possible. And for a while it was, I would never, for a couple months, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even look at my hands whenever they would change out mm -hmm. bandages and stuff like that. I'd put one of those sleep masks over my eyes. Cause I just didn't want to see, I, I don't like, mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not a person that likes blood and stuff like that. When there's stuff like that's on the TV, I close my eyes and, and, um, yeah, so I never looked at it and I just kept hearing like, your hands look great. Your hands look great. And so I was thinking in my hand, my mind that I had, I had like the palm of my, yeah, I thought I had the palm of my hands and just not my fingers, mm. but it was, that was completely wrong. I, I didn't have, I mean, it was what you can see there in the yeah. picture that's showing, I, I would have no functionality with those. I mean, yeah. So, so you basically, they saved the general shape of the hand, but it's not really a hand. Right. And, and so and then what, what did the doctor say to you at this point? Or like, or was it your choice? I mean, what, how, so, cause it's yeah, such a crazy we, um, situation, right? Right. Yeah. So it was like, I want to, it was in December. I went out to Houston to meet with a doctor who specializes in this Dr. Melton. And, um, she, uh, I sat down and had talked with her and she was just like, you know, you're, you're, to be functional in order to pick things up, you know, and then do more, you're, you're gonna, you need to amputate and get prosthetics. And uh, so then once she said that and I saw like the prosthetics and people working them, I knew immediately that's what I wanted to do. Okay. So, I mean, did you have like a moment of just like, I've, I've heard other stories of people who have to have an amputation and they almost feel like, um, like almost a sense of like losing a child or something. Did you have any yes. of that? Oh yeah. It's, it's hard. I'm still, I mean, it's, I got in, it's almost coming like, yeah, about two years. I'm still feeling like I miss okay. them every day. It, it is it's literally like losing a loved one. That's crazy. And, yeah. and can I ask a, a question? Uh, so I've heard about remnants of, of feeling, uh, they call it ghost hands or ghost, you know, yeah, yeah. or something. Do, do you Phantom feel, things. And you stuff. feel the that's it that's it oh Excuse yeah me. my hands i mean obviously aren't there but they feel 100 like they're there that's, like i'm man, like that's I'm wiggling, so crazy yeah i'm wiggling my fingers right now you can see like the muscles move huh. but like I'm, I'm wiggling my fingers and um there were times when when before the amputation that i would lay there and i, and I put my hands together and like there were times where sometimes i could feel like it'd feel like my fingers would interlock with each other Wow. And yeah, it's um, and then like it's crazy because throughout the day, like some days I'll get a cramp in my thumb and it'll feel like my thumb's having a cramp, but I can't stretch it out or anything like that. Or it'll feel like one finger is pointing down and the rest of the fingers are pointing up and just kind of got to 
suck it up and just go through your day and put on a smile, even though it's like an annoying mosquito, man. Mm. It just won't go away. So, so what kind of support did you have during this time frame, and how did the company back you up or not back you up? Because there's clear indications of violations and safety protocol and all these things. So, like, tell us, tell us how that went. Yeah. So, I, um, the hospital, it was there was some rough times, man. I had to, um, my mom and dad when I went to, they would have to help me the bathroom and not having hands they would have to help wipe me and stuff like that and man just the humiliation you know it's like i just felt so humiliated and just like i, I can't believe this is my life now and being i was 30 at the time 31 30 at the time and um yeah just being independent and then all of a sudden just overnight having to have my mom or my dad wipe me after using the bathroom was just the ultimate humiliation. And, yeah. um, I remember one night at the hospital, I was, I was taking, I was on, I was taking eight milligram or four milligram Dilaudid. And so that painkiller, so it plugs you up. So then they would have to give me medicine to make me go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And it was in the middle of the night one night and I called, the nurse for them to come help me. And, uh, cause I had a lot of skin graphing on my thighs. And so okay. I couldn't, so when I, I couldn't really straighten my legs out. And, um, so my mom was in the room. We called for the nurses to come help. And, uh, so it was my mom and this older nurse and they she helped me get out of the bed. And I'm just sitting on the bedside, paying a uh, toilet on the bedside. And I'm just going to the bathroom. My mom's right beside me. I'm, blood's just running down my legs and i just at that moment man i could have just I, I wanted to go at that moment mm. and um but luckily i have my family i have a great family and really great friends they um they would facetime me every day all of them multiple times a day just calling and checking on me and cracking jokes and stuff like that and just really really helped me out big time and, the, and then again, and then the nurses there too at the hospital would help out a lot too. Yeah. yeah. And then as far as the company, I didn't hear anything from them for until about three weeks or so until I got out of the hospital. So it was probably a month or two before I heard anything mm -hmm. from them. And yeah, I haven't really heard anything since then. Wow. Dude, that's crazy. So, yeah, so I got it. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess uh, unfortunately in the, uh, in the state of Mississippi, you can't sue your employer unless it's proven intentional. Mm. So I'll, you know, I'm uh, unable, God, to, even, even though it was mm. their fault and there were safety features missing. It's sorry, too bad. Wow. That's why Mississippi sucks, man. I, I've had, a, <laughs> I, I've had issues with some of their, their stuff with a personal matter that I had. And uh, their laws are so, excuse my language, but ass backwards. It's oh, it's, absolutely. It's beyond it frustrating. It they're is. in they're in the dark ages when it comes to their laws, and uh, no I'm so thankful I'm in Louisiana now. But um, going to a more positive note, what was the feeling? I guess describe how you felt when you saw your child for the first time after you got out. Yeah. So I had. Um... When I, uh, well, they, they showed, I got to meet him when I was in the hospital. It was two weeks and I was in, they surprised me one day and, and Lacey drove up to the hospital 
And it was uh, Lacey, my mom, and my stepmom. And they, um, I was, I got woken up real early one morning, and um, they said, "Wells, John's gonna come down here with a wheelchair, and um, and pick you up for um, physical therapy." And I was like, "I don't. Why am I doing physical therapy so early in the morning? And why am right. I? Why are they gonna wheel me around? Like something just didn't add. It makes sense, you know." And my mom was like, "You need to brush your teeth. We're gonna brush your teeth and all this stuff." I was like, "What's going on?" And so I just so I got in the uh, wheelchair. And I thought they were just going to wheel me around the hospital just to get me out of the room. And um, we go outside, and I'm like, you know, this is nice. I've been cooped up in this room. And um, we start going. And I see some balloons, and I see some people gathered around a um, a table. And I'm like, somebody's having must be having a party or something. And then uh, man, once I saw Lacey holding uh, Levi, man, I just I lost it. I just started bawling yeah. and crying and just lost it. And he was so small, I was scared to hold him. Yeah, I was scared to hold him, and I couldn't. I had all those uh, bandages on, so I couldn't feel him. So I just stick my face up to his and just rub my face on his face. That's uh, it, uh, that, that's that so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But it's that also had to so be wild. the moment you knew everything was was worth it. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, absolutely. That was man. That was uh. That's what keeps me going. Yeah. And and so after after you got that physical touch, just just as a dad, I know I was the same way, but like how I, I know being away from your child had to not be fun, but I, I guess the wanting for your, your family was probably pretty strong after that, huh? Oh man, yes. Every every day in that hospital, I, I just I couldn't wait to get home. I wanted to get home. I wanted to see Conrad. I wanted to see Levi. And just seeing them, you know, yeah. having FaceTime them and everything, it was such a tease, man. I I'm a homebody through and through. Yeah. So how long, how long after your son is born, your family goes home? How, what's the gap between them going home after the birth and you're still in the hospital, you know, so, with all of your care? Yeah. So it was another two weeks after that, that I got to, um, get out of the hospital and, um, we had to, we ended up staying in Baton Rouge for another month after that. Um, okay. We had a, a family friend that let us use. They had an apartment. Uh, on, I think on, I can't remember where it was exactly, but um, we they let us stay there because I had to do three more surgeries after that skin grafting surgeries okay. after that. So it just made sense to just to stay there to be close by, especially if something was to happen or go wrong. Sure, I'd be close by. So you make the decision to amputate. How long then between? like recovery and now you're like, okay, I can get prosthetics and like, I mean, I don't, I have no clue. Right. I, I, I would guess that 99% of Americans have no idea like how this really goes down. Right. You see people with prosthetics, but yeah, there's so much that goes in between. And then what I want to get to also is like talking about just, just having to learn how to use them has to be incredibly difficult. Right. Yeah. So, it's very I mean, challenging and frustrating. If you're willing to share and kind of give us an insight on that. I mean, cause you're, you're a dad now with a newborn. Your wife has just suffered her husband going through a horrible accident, birth of a, <laughs> your second child, managing all this chaos. I mean, it's it's pretty extenuating circumstances. You know, most people probably can right. hack it, you know. Um, yes. Yeah, so December, like I said, I went to Houston and met with uh, Dr. Melton. And then um, I went and met with a company called Arm Dynamics. And they do... Um, the uh prosthetics and uh it was i think i got it i got it um both hands amputated 
after that, it was March the 8th. It was two days after my son's birthday. Okay. Hold uh, up. Your and, son's birthday is March the 6th? Yeah. Mine's March the 7th. <laughs> oh, nice. That's crazy. Small world, man. Yeah. So, yeah, I got them, um, which it, it blows my mind. I, I can't believe that I actually walk, willingly walked into a place to get my hands cut off. You know, that just in itself sounds yeah, that's, crazy. That's a little bit of wild, too. Yeah. And so Dustin's saying in the chat, he turns 40 on March 6th, so he shares a birthday with your son. Oh, so. nice. How about that? Yep. So happy birthday to him coming up. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So it was, uh, and I, I had a uh, doctor there uh dr keplinger in houston he did the surgery and i was talking to him i met him over uh on like facetime and i was just asking like what's the procedure like like what do you do when you get to the bone and he was like it's just glorified carpentry that's all it is and um he's not wrong but, yep yeah. he's not wrong <laughs> dustin and i have both seen it it's uh that's exactly what it is and uh yeah so i got i got my it was crazy too i got my hands i got them cut off and then it wasn't the next day I was out of the hospital and in the hotel room. Oh, so it's like an, almost an outpatient. Yeah. Wow, man. That's, and, uh, that's wild. Yeah. So it, it would end up being, I think I went back to arm dynamics and they would take, uh, what they do is they take like, um, it's almost like paper mache really. And they, you know, mm. they, Put it over okay. your, like your arms and everything, and yeah, make a mold. Mold, make a mold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so they did that, and it, it hit probably four months after my surgery that I got my first set of prosthetics. Wow. And so were they like claws, hooks? I mean, yeah, like, yeah. So we don't know, is, man. You know. <laughs> yeah, right. So this was the bot. These are called body powered. Okay. These right here. This is basically just. Civil War technology, yeah. but they they're so good that that's why it's just that's why they've been around for so long. And okay, with the body powers, it's like on a harness system that it sits around. Like, let's see. Well, so like you flex multiple muscle groups type of thing to. So that, those are for my um. Those are body. Uh, those are my myoelectrics with the body powers. These. I have a, uh, it's like a harness style system. A strap goes over my shoulder okay. and I'll move my shoulder to open and close the hook. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. so did you have to, I mean, I assume that's, it's almost like a sport in that sense. Like you have to like learn the repetitious. Right. Yeah. To, like, and then get it what's done. crazy is like, um, holding things. Like if I grab like a Coke can, I have to keep tension on it all the time. Oh, okay. And, wow. um, Yeah. And I've, I, you know, I even grabbing a Coke can, I've busted so many Coke cans, just a few open, just punching holes in them and stuff. Yeah. And then these, I got these a couple months after that. These are the um, myoelectrics, and okay. they have a, uh, they have a sensor in them. Two sensors. Cool. You got a sensor. <laughs> yeah. Right here, on the inside of your arm, and a sensor on the outside of your arm, and by flexing this muscle up here and this muscle down here operates it um so if i you know if i press down it closes and opens that's that's and then, pretty amazing uh, man on like how fast you uh flex like if i flex my muscle really really fast it'll start spinning my hand in okay. circles it'll start rotating and then if i do it slow 
it'll close and open. And then uh, different muscle movements, like flexing my muscle twice, it'll go to a different grip pattern. Okay. And then hold, flexing my muscle and holding it, it'll go to another grip pattern. Or I can press the buttons. I've got several buttons up here. Right. I can press that does different grips. Okay. But it's kind of it's challenging because you constantly like if I'm going to go grab a Coke can, I've thought about grabbing that Coke can like a minute before I even grabbed it. Like I've been playing oh, okay. out through my head how I'm going to do something. Do you think that that will get easier like the longer you've had? Oh, more, definitely. Like, yeah. To... Okay. Absolutely. So it's still just because it's relatively new and like you're basically learning how to walk again in a sense. Right. Yeah. And that's a lot of what it helps. You know, another thing that keeps me going is I'm watching people that have been in it, you know, years have been in prosthetics for years and it's like second nature to them now. Okay. And so now I have a chance for somebody, you know, the next guy is one day or the next kid or whatever is going to watch me and like, man, you know, I, I'm going to be that person one day. So that's another right. thing that keeps me going. That's awesome. So first of all, like just, I, you know, I, I just want to commend you on just the sheer, you know, uh, perseverance. And then, you know, thanks to your wife and extended family for just being there for you. And, you know, obviously that has been a huge, um, support group for you and has helped carry you forward. But, um, you know, it, has your faith been a huge, you know, pillar as well yeah, through all this? Absolutely. And now I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I don't go to church like I should, but I pray and I talk to God every single day, all day long. Yeah. So that's definitely has helped me. And then and awesome. I have come from a great, great uh, town, have a great community. Everybody here, small town. When when something bad happens to somebody, we rally around it. And um, everybody was praying for me. You could definitely feel all the prayer. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Dustin, I think you were about to ask something. Sorry. Yeah. Wells, can you give me an example of something that, say, you're still able to do that we wouldn't expect? And then maybe some things that you're not able to do um, that you're able to before? Oh, let's see. Um, there's a lot of things that I've, I've actually found that I can do without the prosthetics, um, like brushing my teeth, um, you know, showering, stuff like that, uh, cutting the grass, you know, turning the keys to crank the lawnmower and mowing the grass. Um, a lot of things I have trouble with is eating is really hard. It's hard, like when you, you know, you want a hamburger or a sandwich or something like that and grabbing it and holding it up or right. even grabbing like a little chip and crushing it to a million pieces and getting angry. Eating is, is very difficult. Mm. So, I mean, you seem to be so like accepting of, of everything, right? But I know that that's probably not the case, right? I mean... Is yeah. it a is it an every other day type of thing? So like for example, I think you watched the episode, right? We had Mason. He talked about like every day he has to recommit to like the five stages of grief type of thing. All right. Are, yeah. Is it that way for you too? Is it like a daily thing where you have to kind of like you know I, today I'm going to choose to have a good day or it is, is it kind of just it's, it's yeah it's an everyday thing. I'm constantly battling things, man. It, it's when you go from being so independent and being able to do whatever you want to do hmm. to needing help with the most basic things in life it just depletes you of everything, man. And it, it's humiliating, you know, and it's just, you know, you know, look at my kids and I always like wonder like, what do they, what do they think? You know, mommy always mm. has to help daddy or even my kids, they help me out a lot. 
and it yeah. always just you know it makes you like you know think like what are they thinking about me do they you know and so it's an everyday commitment to want to roll out of that bed and and just do something there's some days where i don't even roll out of the bed man i just pile up and i just cry the whole day and yeah. just sad and angry and frustrated and um but once i pick up my boys from school all that goes away yeah that's i think all of us here can relate to like no matter what made your day go wrong you just especially if they're like daddy daddy it's just right it man yeah when you hear that you know and ask them how their day was at school yeah. and just hear them talk and just the things that they say man it just it's it's deaf it's medicine it's good medicine yeah absolutely no, and, and going back it's to beautiful. a happier uh, note how did it feel when you first got home man i know that had to be oh yeah i couldn't Oh, absolutely. When I got home and just sat in my chair and got in my bed, man, it was a huge relief. And just seeing people and then just, I would, I, I man, I miss Natchez so much. I would just get in the car and just, I wanted to ride around and just look. And, and you know, I, I missed it so much. It was such a, it was a huge relief. Yeah. Natchez is a very cool place. And for those who've never been, it's a, it's a small town on the coast of Louisiana and, and, and Mississippi. It's, or excuse me, not on the coast, but on the state line. And it's, uh, it's, it's like you, what you would think you would see on a, a postcard. They've got a lot of beautiful trees and like Annabelle yeah. style homes. And it's just, it's literally a place that people have like, they destined destination weddings in the middle of nowhere. And you're like, Natchez, Mississippi. What? Right. And you yeah. see it and you're like, Oh my God, this place is beautiful like imagine savannah in the heart of mississippi on on the the border and that's that's kind of what it is it's it's an awesome place man I've, I've done a few cases there when i was doing ortho and uh i really really enjoyed natchez man it's it's a beautiful little city man so i can understand it that it's got a ton of great people close-knit community so i had a quick question for you you've, you've mentioned a lot of the different challenges um that you faced what are um some examples of creative ways that you've found like creative solutions to overcome some of these challenges, maybe for some other uh, disabled uh, fathers that are struggling or might not have some good solutions. Yeah. So um, using like zip ties and stuff like that to make loops and to like to open things, open the refrigerator. Oh, that's um, smart. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It, you really learn how to how to adapt really really fast man I even like when i have when i first got amputated the first thing i was thinking my cell phone you know i got to be able to text and use my cell phone so what i do is i went and got a um one of those stylists and i would tape a stylist to the end of my um bandages every day that way i could operate my cell phone um yeah. that um so I, can you expand on that too because like i so for everyone's awareness, like I called Wells on Sunday to kind of like, Hey, here's how we do the episodes, you know, walk him through the process and whatnot. And like it dawned on him and like, he's been texting me for like yeah. weeks. So I have a, and I was um, like, how do you text me? You know, like, are you talking to your phone or are you doing it? You know? yeah, no, so I, just text, I just texted my uh, residual limb. It's kind of like, uh, imagine like a King Kong texting with his big fingers. Yeah. Kind of like the King Kong's fingers just texting. Well, Shaquille O'Neal. I should have just called you. Yeah, right. Exactly. Or, um, I'm sorry, I made you do that. With the, um, when I with my myoelectric, um, I have a hook too, but I can't. Um, let's see if I can hold it up. Well, let's see. 
I heard you have a great sense of humor. I'm sure you're still a better texter than my wife. She's horrible at texting. <laughs> but I, uh, but with my myoelectrics, I can't. I have to use a uh, a stylus. Okay. To text with it, and uh, with my body power, the uh, the the hooks, I'm able to operate my phone with those. Okay. So the the myoelectric, the the hand, the the fingers, do they? You said they work like a stylus, or you have to hold a stylus? No, I have to hold a stylus. Has so is, is that a conversation is, that anyone's ever had with the prosthetic companies? Because yeah, you know, no, a lot I, of these I've companies wondered that, that too. I, I, that's what I've always wondered too. I was like, man, with technology the way it is, and and having a everybody's cell phone is basically you know it's part of them. Mm. Is you know why won't these things work with the cell phone? So I, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that 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 changes soon. Or maybe like you can have. I, I know I've, I've heard there's technologies out there where you can look somewhere on a screen and it can. It can see where you're visually looking and, and you can like do certain blinks and it will yeah, you know, use that, that yeah, as like a click for a mouse. And yeah, so I'm curious how that technology, because and that's just the the medical device guy in me. That's, you know, professionally what I do. So I know companies always constantly reevaluate things like that. I'm just curious if prosthetic companies are, are doing that. And if they're not, they need to be listening because uh, I know. Right. Yeah. Some good yeah, ideas like, here. Those right there. Those are the body powered. OK. So that, that's what you had first. And yeah, for everyone listening, these are like the hooks and it's the different attachments and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so so this is what you learned first. And then the mile. So do you do you have a preference for which one? Or is it like there's a different tool? It's a, it, One is better. Right. For yeah. Um, now, like I'm 99% of the time I use my body powers. They're a lot lighter. Okay. They're easy to throw on and they're easy to take off. Like okay. whenever I'm going somewhere, like when I go and drive, I, I throw those in the truck and I just drive with my residual limbs. And then whenever I get to where I need to go, whatever store, I throw those on. Okay. Because I don't, it's it's not with, with these prosthetics, I'm, I'm thankful for them. And I'm so glad I live in a day and age where these are available and yeah. they're only going to get better. But also too, they're not natural. And at the same time, mm and they're tiring i mean these things weigh these myoelectrics weigh three pounds a piece so, oh, okay I mean, yeah. yeah so imagine like yeah and then you're constantly having to use your uh, muscles and they right way down on your back and your shoulders and it's hard on the joints yeah so so no I'm go sorry. ahead justin sorry no yeah i was go gonna ahead. say speaking of like using muscle groups and stuff so now that you've had this life altering thing going on, like what is your favorite like exercise, so to speak, to just kind of go and clear your head and just get in a good mind space? So we recently, about a year ago, Lacey and I, we bought a house with 10 acres. And um, so that I love just to get outside and just walk around. And I live in a neighborhood that it's everybody in this neighborhood has like five acres or more. So it's everybody spread out pretty good. And, it's a beautiful neighborhood and, and it has an antebellum home in it. And the azaleas are blooming nice, right now. Nice. And it's just it. a country neighborhood with a single lane road. And, and I just walk up and down the road or walk around my property and walk through the woods. That's my, uh, and then just trying to keep up with the kids too. And then run around playing. Oh, I'm sure, man. That's, yeah, my, yeah, that's are... my exercise. Nature. Nature is so good for that. It's so healing. Um, it, yes, I, absolutely. Oh man, there's just there's something about nature, and I think it just goes back to you know our our, our genetic roots of of being out there constantly. But 
yeah, I feel like it's it's such an important thing to to keep balancing. So yeah, that's that's mm -hmm. awesome, man. So I'm showing the video of you using the hose and stuff. Like how how hard was it to and like you're picking up a, a stick right now. Like how yeah. how much practice did that take, right? Because so we, we see your Instagram video and it's like, wow, that's so awesome. But I, I would imagine there's hours and hours and hours behind that. Right. Yeah. A lot so of frustration. It, it is. There is a lot of frustration. It, it's tech that, you know, it is hard to, um, it took a couple months of practice to get okay. to that point. I mean, there's times where I just, you can ask my wife, I just want to take them off and I want to throw them as far mm -hmm. as I can. All right. And, um, it's very frustrating um, but it's, uh, I'm, I'm learning to do more and more with them. It just yeah. takes a lot of time so, and a lot of patience. And I've, I've, I'm the world's worst at having patience. <laughs> I'm a immediate type of guy. I want immediate satisfaction and gratification. Yeah. I need to meet my wife. You'd like her. <laughs> <laughs> I can't right, so, get no satisfaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the things that struck me when, so let me back up a little bit. My wife, found you on instagram no idea how but uh she was like you've got to talk to this guy and so i started looking through all your stuff and i was like wow this guy is amazing and what struck me immediately right away was you just have this like overwhelming sense of humor about it right and like mm -hmm. you have you have some really heartfelt right it's obviously been a very difficult thing for you and your family and i'm sure your boys and so you have some really beautiful posts on your instagram kind of chronicling that but you also have just like so funny like i never would have thought of it type of thing like i'm envious of how funny it is is that a way for you to kind of just get through it or have you, have you always been a goofball? Like, yeah, I've you know, always, talk to that, cause like, I think most people look at that and they think like, Whoa, that's not, a, you know, especially nowadays, right? People are like, right, they're like, that's dark. And it's like, no, this is, yeah. this is me accepting this. Like, you know, right. Yeah. I've right, always had a sense of humor and I would have to say, I get that from my dad. My dad has a great sense of humor too. Okay. I remember we'd be in the hospital and the nutritionist would come in and like, Wells, do you know what you want for dinner? And my dad would be like, he hadn't quite put a finger on it yet. Can you come back in a little bit? And, you know, just <laughs> things like oh my that. God. And then my dad's friend called and said that he was going to order me some Chinese food and get me some chopsticks and stuff like that. And, you know, just jokes like that. Yeah. Just make, hell, just help make light of the situation, man. It's, I didn't have my sense of humor. I don't know if I would still be here. Yeah. So here's here's one. I'm gonna play it. It really stuck out to me. Is uh, I gotta get the sound going. <laughs> it's you. It's you closing your hands to the music. And when I first saw that, I was like, all right, this guy. You know, he can clearly laugh at this. And I think you know most people are are honestly probably shocked by that because I think we live in a world where it's like. You know, you can't say the wrong thing, and everyone's you know, offended. Whatever. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, I was impressed with you because it's it's still relatively new, right? Like I could tell just scrolling through that this hasn't been very long. Um, you don't have to go very far before you still hide your hands. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. um, I just love that you have that, and you know, I you also have some great ones recently too, with like your sons and you're playing little games and stuff. And so, um, you know, I what impresses me is that it's not just like you you could easily play like woe is me right like this is so horrible my life is over um but you clearly are not just getting by you're you're choosing to like find joy in it and 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 maintain a positive attitude and i think that's what people like really resonate with and i mean i, I immediately noticed it right so mm -hmm. um i would imagine many others feel the same way so I don't really know where I'm going with that other than just like, I have a, a ton of respect for you and um, for opening up to us tonight. Just appreciate your, 
your willingness to come here and, and share your story. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me on. Definitely, yeah, me yeah man. Uh, we've, yeah. we've been enjoying you for sure. And <laughs> I guess just changing gears, um, I want to talk a little bit about your relationship with your wife. Um, I know you said you're close to your parents and your family, but um, it sounds like your wife's, excuse my language, but a hell of a woman. Uh, it sounds like she's really stuck yeah. by you and, and really helped you through the thick and thin, man, and, and really just kind of been your, I'm sure you've been the rock in the family, you know, your whole relationship, but, but now she's kind of become one for you as well. And um, I guess just kind of, can you dive a little deeper into to how it's affected your relationship and uh, you know, how much closer you guys have grown and, and just um, what you guys share on a daily basis that really kind of keeps things going for you? Yeah. So um, my wife and I, I thought we were, as close as we would it could ever get until uh, I lost my hands and the bathroom situation came up. And I, you know, I was like, uh, had to do the old four, like my old four and five year old used to do mommy, daddy, I'm ready. You know, kind of that thing in the bathroom. And my wife would have to come in and it would wipe me. And man, that again, that's just, that felt like rock bottom for me, but she, I'm sure she had, you know, she didn't mind at all. That was actually one of my biggest fears when I came to, mm. I just knew, I knew she was going to leave me. I was like, man, she doesn't want to, she don't want to be with me. I don't have hands. I'm a disabled guy. She's probably going to leave me and take the kids. And wow. that was my number one biggest fear. And yeah. um, I remember talking to my stepmom and, and crying to her about it and telling her about it. She asked me what my biggest fear was. And I told her that was it. And she said, well, that's, mm. she's not going to leave you. That's not going to happen. And I was just like, well, what makes you so sure, you know? And she was like, well, because I was listening to her talk to the doctors. And, you know, she's she's not going anywhere. And mm. all she wanted to know was if you're alive. And he said yes, and that was good enough. She, That's so um, beautiful, man. She's, I've also got fortunate. She's that actually, is. she's my um, she's my caregiver also. Mm-hmm. So um, we actually, uh, we spend every single day together yeah. all day long. And she, she's literally, she's my best friend. We can uh, yell and, and, and cuss at each other and call each other names. And then five minutes later, or 20 or, you know, 20 seconds later, we're laughing at each other. Like you idiot. Like, why would you say, you know, just making fun of each other. That's awesome, man. That's it, man. And then can, to kind of expand on Justin's question too. So, so how is, how, how is that? Well, I mean, obviously not your newborn, right. But already a little bit older right like i'm I'm sure he has at least some comprehension that things are different now right like how oh, how yeah. has that changed um oh man yeah it's he i mean he knows he knows more about doctors now than i ever did mm. and um he uh you know he would at the you know at the beginning it was hard he would you know rub on my on you know and tell me how how he missed my hands and stuff like that and and that was that was tough man that would like he always hit me in the gut or or he would say things like, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be getting on to him like, Conrad, you know, you need to pick up your toys. You know, if you're not going to pick up this Batman cave, I'm going to throw it outside in the trash. And he would say, Daddy, you can't do that. And I was like, why not? He's like, because you don't have hands. You can't pick it up. And I was just like, you know, I'll kick the thing outside then. Um, it's like, I can still whoop you. <laughs> right, yeah. And um, he is, um, he's, have to, he's had to grow up really, really fast. He helps a lot yeah. around the house picking things up um helping me 
he'll help, you know, something he'd even like, he'll help feed me sometimes when at the very beginning, you know, he would, he'd always mm. help the fork for me and scoop up the food. And he's adapted to this a lot better than what I thought was possible. And what I've learned is that, you know, kids don't care. That's not, you know, they, as long as you're there and present, they don't care, man. And, um, even, you know, even my two year old now, you know, he, I'll be sweeping in the house and he'll go and run, go get the dustpan and bring me the, and hold the dustpan for me. Let me sweep all the stuff in the dustpan. Then he'll go throw it away. That's so awesome. So I'm, uh, I'm training up some good husbands for their future. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Man. That's good, well, man. I think one of the things that I, I want to encourage you with too, man, is God has a purpose in everything in our lives. And so the experiences that your kid is facing right now are just stepping stones and foundational work that he's using to build them up. Your kid could become a doctor for all you know, because right, yeah, he's exactly. got a helping heart, you know, and mm -hmm. he could do things to help other guys that have disabilities like you that have lost their hands or, you know, he could create technology. I mean, you never know. And so I would just say, look at it in a positive light because your kid is, is so much more well-equipped than most, most children would be his age. And, it's going to make him just shine. It's going to allow him to, to produce light for the world. So, yeah, that was another fear of mine too, is just like, am I going, I don't want to put my kids in a situation where like other kids, their friends or whatever are making fun of me or something like that. And they have to defend me for some reason. You know, that was, I was, I'm always nervous and scared about that. And, um, I went and I stayed at, um, this, rehabilitation center uh called tier memorial hospital in houston i was supposed to, i stayed there for about a week and it was this was before amputation and they were just teaching me how to do things and stuff and i talked to a uh a physical therapist there and we were out walking and I, you know, I was telling her all my fears and i'm scared you know the way my kids are gonna look at me now and she was telling me that her dad I believe he was like wheelchair bound or whatever and it ended up you know, she's like, I was never embarrassed of my dad. And it ended up, you know, like my brother, he ended up becoming a doctor. And now I'm a physical therapist because of my dad. I wanted to help people. So that's great. Yeah, man. That's, and uh, to touch back on like some of the fears you just talked about. So, like with your wife, one of the things I would say also to encourage you is like, you got to remember, man, like we see through our own lenses. We don't see through the lenses of other people and you need to realize that life is so much about perspective and someone else's perspective of you or life in general could be so different than what your brain is telling you, especially mm -hmm. when you're in a fear factor. Um, so for instance, with your wife, you know, you said she was talking to the doctors. She's probably just grateful. You can draw breath every single day, still be there for your children, still be there for her. And, you know, you, you may not feel like, you know, you're doing the same things that you were able to do before, but you may be doing more. You may be right. teaching her in a different light, in a different way that she can use on a daily basis to, to grow herself, you know? And, and that's just something you gotta, you gotta try to understand is that like, you know, if this happened to my wife tomorrow with her profession, it would, it would completely ruin what she does and, and she would be devastated, but you know, she, she would have to see that like, it would not change how I saw if anything it would bring me closer. So I, I hope to God that you kind of see that this is something that your, your wife would, you know, really kind of draw closer to you because she's just grateful. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. she seems like the kind of person that's, that's going to be filled with gratitude that you're still there for your children because you have so much more to teach your kids 
especially now that you have something that, that challenges them in a different, you know, complex way and something that you can use to, to make them even better. So it's like Brandon said, you know, you never know why God does things, but he does them. And, you know, right. you just, you just kind of have to roll with it, not getting too serious, but. Yeah. We often, all the time, we always ask God to like change the situation that we're in mm. and stuff like that. But maybe, you know, sometimes he puts us in situations to change us and make us a better yeah. person. Yeah, and you don't know like this. This could have saved someone's life in your family or your wife's life or yours because if you were able, you know, to drive like a few days later or something, you know, it could have right. could have done something tragic. You you never know what what the cause and effect, or as they say, the butterfly effect could have been. So, like, you just you just kind of have to take it how it is. Yeah, absolutely. So, Wells, um, dovetailing on that. Uh, have you thought about next steps, kind of what the next direction of your, your career, your, where are you going to go with this? Right. Yeah. So I was a welder. I made my hands, I made my hands. I made my money with my hands. And now that they're not there anymore, I've just been racking my brain and trying to figure out like, what is it that I want to do with the, with my life and as a career. And one of the things I'd love to do is I'd love to start a foundation. I want to help somebody. I want to help people, man. I had so many people help me that it's, I feel like it's my turn to help somebody. Uh, I'd love, yeah, awesome, I'd, I'd love to start, uh, get a foundation started. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, hopefully tonight you're learning that, uh, you could be mo a motivational influence for, uh, for others. Right. You know? 100%. Yeah. So he doesn't live in a van down by the river though. Is the only problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the only way to do Steady it. Steady diet of government cheese. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I, I had a, I had a thought uh, just a second ago, like what, what is the biggest surprise is that you had, right? So this happens and you know, you've kind of shared some of the fears and emotions that you had, but what is like um, some of the things that you thought for sure, I'll never be able to do this anymore. My life is over in, in terms of that, but like you've actually still just been able to carry on right. the same or better even, right? Like what are some of those kind of happy surprises i guess one of the biggest surprise you know big surprise for me is that i'm, I'm still here and right. uh, you know, i didn't think i you know when that when that happened i was like man there's no way i'll make it and um i'm still here i uh, i still go hunting i shoot guns that's fun um can't take that out of a mississippi boy right exactly and um i uh I still throw the ball with my sons, which is, I mean, of course it's a lot different, but I'm still able to do it. Um, you know, now my oldest son, he's getting to where he's playing sports. So I'm able to help him and, and give him some pointers and, and coach and stuff like that. That's awesome. And then on the other side of that, what is something that you thought, like maybe not like right away, but like as you're starting to get your prosthetics and things like that, like, Oh, I'll be able to do this again, but you really can't. Or, you know, I mean like, just the, yeah you're what what is possible for you is so much different than it was right and I, I most people i just don't think we we live in our own little worlds and like we're so worried about all these frivolous things mm -hmm. but you're you were faced with like some truly life-altering situations um you know and i'm, I'm hoping that your perspective cannot kind of help us be appreciative of, of not just us here but like in general man I, I just remember like at the you know getting my prosthetics i mean i, I hopped in the uh we got in my my wife's car one day and I was like, you know, I'm going to drive. I want to try to drive. And uh, we got in there and I just started driving and I immediately just started bawling, crying just out of the fact that I can drive and I'm driving. And it's awesome. Um, just 
picking up things for the first time again and, and being able to hold something. It was just like, I was just in shock, man. It was like, a, you know, I was so excited just to be able to pick up a Coke can and, and drink something or pick up a water bottle and, and drink and um, be able to finally wipe myself and go when I go to the bathroom, just things like that. Everyday things that you, you are second nature and you don't even think about. I'm constantly just, smiling every time i do something you know and i get excited just i get excited and happy just picking up a stick out of the ground you know like oh then this is cool that's awesome i I actually have one question real quick so this is kind of a more complex question you'll probably have to stop and think for just a sec but so when you thought you were dying um if you could kind of recreate that mindset like what was or, or if you even remember what was going on what was something that like, like who or what did you instantly want in that moment? Like what was something that you were thinking about immediately? And like, how did it go through your mind? And, and, and for instance, like, was it your wife, your kids? Like, and, and what were you wanting from that? Like, were you wanting them to be a part of like, just saying goodbye or like, what were you feeling in those, those moments? Cause I know that had to be absolutely terrifying. Yeah. So my wife, she, like I said, she was in Baton Rouge at the time at the uh baby doctor and um i immediately i really and truly i I wanted my mom and my dad during that moment but on the other hand no pun intended i didn't want (laughs) i didn't want them to see me because i because i didn't want them to watch me die you know i didn't want that i didn't want them to have to live with that watching me take my last breath and all that stuff so you know I i really wanted my mom and dad but no, at the same time, it's like I, you know, I, I can't. I don't want them to yeah. watch me die. Thank, thanks for sharing that, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Brandon, go ahead. Yeah, so um, I had a, a very similar accident where I had a drunk driver hit me head on uh, when I was seventeen, and it shattered my right arm in about three hundred pieces, and they had to reconstruct it. And I thought I was dying too. Um, it's actually part of my testimony, but uh, it reshifted. Like when you almost die or you have some kind of traumatic event happen in your life, it shifts your priorities completely. And certain certain things in your life that were top priorities, you realize were absolutely void and you you let them die with the the event. So what were some things that died with you and what were some new priorities that you realized, Okay, this is what I want to prioritize my life with? Um, Kind of go into that a little bit for us. I'd say really the main thing is just spending more time with my family and, and friends. You know, I, I tell, I've told my friends numerous times, like we're not going to all be able to go to each other's funeral. And I hate when, you know, it, it, it's so human strong. nature. As we get older, we just lose contact with our friends and, and, you know, and, and certain family members and we don't call and check up on them, you know, and we get, you know, all, you know, I've been real, real busy and stuff like that. But I mean, truthfully, I mean, you know, throughout the day, we're constantly texting on our phone or going through social media. That could be time used to call or message that. I mean, I can't tell you how many times where I've just, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this day. And I've had just a friend just out of the blue call me and that has completely Mm. just shifted my day and uh, made it turn a bad day into a good day. Um, so that's definitely one. That's that's that was so strong, man. You, you really just tugged on a heartstring, man. Just the gratitude you could hear. Um, 
So uh, this is something not a lot of people have heard. Obviously, Brennan and I are identical twins. Um, people joke about us having ESP, you know, like as twins, yada, yada, yada. Well, um, true story. You can ask uh, some of our friends that we went to high school with and we used to you know, race with and, and do car stuff with. Um, when Brandon got hit by the drunk driver, I got this instant gut feeling. I, I got sick to my stomach. I just knew something wasn't right. And the first question I asked when we kind of got back to our hangout spot after we got back from uh, some some racing behind the high school, um, we uh, I, I looked at my friend. I was like, where's Brandon? And they were like, what? And I'm like, where is Brandon? Something just doesn't feel right. Something's off. Not even two minutes later, we get a call on our cell phone. We had this little flip Motorola, you know, and mm -hmm. someone's like, Brandon just got hit head on by a drunk driver and we don't know if he's going to live. And oh my gosh, man. So you, I don't know if you're familiar with Tupelo. I'm doing about 145 down Tupelo's main street, just straight to the hospital. Um, got chased by a cop. He's freaking out when I run in and I, I left my car just idling, just sitting uh -huh. there. I pulled the e-brake, ran off, left it out of gear um running there and i see my brother and his arms just like noodle hanging you know and he's like first thing out of his mouth is i didn't cry <laughs> I'm like, are you serious dude like that's like, the first thing you say you're uh i, I had no painkiller for six hours i was sitting in there with a, a busted hand dislocated knee and ankle shattered right arm um and no painkillers and i wow. The police came to me thinking I was the drunk driver trying to breathalyze me. And then the I remember that. Nurse and it's like, Get off me, dude. grabs my jacket and pulls it off of me. And it sets oh. some of the stuff on my elbow and stuff. And I just remember grabbing her and being pretty violent. And then they hit me with something in my leg and I woke up a couple of days later. But, I, you know, either way, we're, we're getting off on a tangent. Yeah, here, no, so. Sorry, but it's it's it's. Just a kind of a story that was kind of neat. That yeah, there, know, there's a I've actually seen a uh, there's a uh, like a TikTok trend going on with twins. They'll sit side by side and there'll be like a divider in the middle and there'll be different color Legos and they'll everyone's like doing the yeah, numbers. And and, yeah, 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 I've seen it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no. So that was that was something interesting. Like um, when he was in serious distress, uh, I genuinely felt something as Dustin would say, it's the disturbance in the force, you know, but what he doesn't realize is I'm the Sith and Brennan's the Jedi. So <laughs> who knows, but, um, so, but no, so, like I, I was going to ask, like when, when your family got the news, did they ever talk to you about how it affected them? Like how they felt, you know, did they ever like sit down and kind of talk to you about that? You know, what their feelings were when they, they initially got the news. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, they were all devastated and sad, but at the same time, they were so thankful that I was alive and just drawing air. I get that. Okay. Well, I've, I've got, I want to kind of bring us back to some other things. So let's just, let's talk a little bit more about your, your, your advice for, for fathers. Like what, what would be some, some core things uh, just in general as a dad, um, just through your experience of fatherhood that you would give, uh, to other dads that would help them out in their journey as a father. One of the biggest things is, yeah, I see a lot of, see like a lot of dads being like, you know, macho and, and stuff like, you know, and, and but just holding and, and hugging and, and kissing and telling your kids you love them every chance you get would be one of the biggest things for me. And um, just being vulnerable and, you know, tell them about your day. If you're having a good day or you're having a bad day, just, 
it helps them if you, if you can go through and tell them, you know, about your emotions and what you're feeling that day, it'll help them be able to, you know, go through their emotions and be able to um, yeah. explain, you know, how they're feeling. Kind and of modeling just, it, right? Right. Yeah. And it's yeah, just letting yeah. them know like, hey, you know, daddy's really sad right now or daddy's having, you know, not a good day, but it's mm -hmm. okay because you can't, not every day is going to be a good day. That's good. Absolutely. Being vulnerable with your wife, especially you know, like you talked about in front of your children is an awesome thing too, because, mm -hmm. you know, it teaches them that being vulnerable is a good thing. You know, that's, that's what creates more love, you know, anything. Right. Uh, Wells, I actually flipped the table on you. Do you have any questions of us that, you know, from our own experience that you want to ask? Um, let's see. <laughs> put what put advice, you in the hot seat. <laughs> uh, yeah. What advice would y'all give me? Oh, good question. That's, uh, that's actually really good. I right, got Justin, that one. I, I, you go first. Yeah. Uh, stack gratitude. Um, wake up every morning. Um, tell yourself that you're going to have an, a, a great day. Set the, set the foundation for the day. Uh, and then start listing off things in your head. Start small and go big with everything that's great in your life. And eventually, I think you'll rewire your brain from any kind of trauma that the negative thinking just kind of fades off and all the positive thinking keeps reinforcing. And it just mm -hmm. compounds just like anything else you invest in. It's tough at first, but it compounds and it, it gets so much better. So I would say um, stack gratitude for sure. All right. That's good. I'll go, I'll go next. Um, so you said you wanted to start a foundation and, uh, you know, I assume you probably don't, don't really know what you're doing or like where to start no, and that kind no of stuff. Clue. Well, I mean, we're kind of doing the same thing here with this. We're, we're the four of us. We were just talking one day and we're like, we should do something about it. We're not happy with like how the culture is and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, well, let's do a podcast. And you know, um, whether you fail or succeed is irrelevant. Like, the four of us here just doing this, I think that we have learned more about being dads and improving ourselves and being the best version of ourselves for our kids and for our wives um, that I don't think we ever would have been if we never would have done this. So I guess my encouragement to, to you would be if that's really where your passion is, um, obviously it can be difficult, right? I'm not saying it's going to magically happen, but you're going to learn things about yourself um, and through the struggle of, of that endeavor that you never would learn otherwise. And so um, we, one, we want to support you. So let us know how we can get involved. Um, and I'm sure our watchers and listeners will want to do that too, but um, just take the plunge and just go for it and try, try, try again, you know? Um, but I, I, that's something we've learned in the recent, you know, history to start in this podcast and it's paid a lot of dividends already. So I think uh, that's something you can kind of take forward. All right. Yeah. Who wants to follow that up? I know I'll it's not it. an easy one to follow. Yeah, <laughs> I'll follow it. I'll follow it. Uh, I think the best advice I can give you, man. Um, I think something that the world is really lacking right now is love. Truly. Um, we live in such a fast paced society where everything's now, now, now there's information overload. I think stop, take a deep breath and just, just share the love you have, man. Um, Cause you damn near came to the point where you didn't have a life. So I would say, just just love others man love them hard love them you know every second every breath and just just try to radiate that man radiate that goodness and and i can see that in you man you seem like a really good dude share that with people share that story share share that love and just just let others know who are going through similar situations like you have that you know not only love but just everything in life is is something that is your oyster every day so to speak and that it's 
something you can just kind of experience and just try to take in every day and just enjoy. All right, last but not least, last but not least, Dustin, I can talk. We'll get there. <laughs> That's awesome, Dustin. No, it's uh, you know, there's there's not enough love in this world, and it sounds like you know you're an incredible dad. You're a great speaker. You have a compelling story. Um, I'd love to hear more from you. So. Uh, do some networking, you know, find some other podcasts to get on, um, keep, you know, making this incredible content and, um, I'm looking forward to hearing more from you at this, uh, you've got great stuff. Thank you guys. Yeah. All right. Uh, can we, can we get into, to, to dirty jokes about hands and stuff? Let's do it. That... Let's go. Yeah. Let's go dark humor. <laughs> so I, I'll, 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 uh, kind of have to put, put ourselves on blast here a little bit. So we were, I, I was telling the guys that, Hey, he wants to do it. I was like sharing your Instagram with them and they were like, Oh, that's so cool and everything. And, and then we literally had like 10 texts back and forth, just like <laughs> stupid hand jokes. And like, and, and I thought from it, well, I initially thought of like, maybe we shouldn't do that. And then I looked at your <laughs> Instagram again. I'm like, he'd probably think this is hilarious. So yeah, if you, if you do feel, like no, I, I, I don't, the, the I don't get offended just, at all. Yeah, no, I, uh, what's your what's your favorite like is, is that how you like in public i guess question if, if someone's like staring or something do you like wiggle it at them or do you, yeah, do you like so do you make like, a joke like do you kind of throw it back at them because it's like yeah. wear it like armor you know like or i want to give I them the finger you know stuff, well, i know yeah that's a big thing is like people like staring all the time and 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 so i can like tell when they're staring and like they're just like if i have my my uh my electron like they're constantly staring you know i'll just I just make it move or stuff like that. And then you can see them, you know, kind of like jump back like that. Like, what the hell is that? You know, like, yeah. kind of freaks them out a little bit, but yeah, definitely. H have your sons begged you to be like Darth Vader or something for Halloween yet? Or Oh man, that's my kid. Oh, that's Conrad awesome. is obsessed. <laughs> is obsessed with the star Wars. We're having a star Wars party Friday for him for his birthday. Yeah. But Dude, yeah, you we can just come out with like a lightsaber attached to your arm and just yeah, and he, be he that like, guy, you know. He'll, uh, he'll get a sword out or something like that, and he'll pretend that he's he's chopped my hands off. He cut them off. Oh, <laughs> he looped you. Yeah. So and then, uh, uh, my well, another funny story. One day, I we were sitting on the couch, and uh, my wife had a, a a laser light and was shining it on the ground, and uh, and my son got it and shined on the ground and was like, you know. Pretend, you know, mom, pretend like you're a cat, you know, and, and then he said, dad, pretend like you're a cat. And I was like, this cat, I can't, this cat only has two legs. And my wife's like, well, just pretend like you're a cat that got hit by a car. Oh, Emotional damage. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so what's the, uh, I guess, what's the funniest thing that ha has happened to you since like, you know, uh, I guess it's very open-ended whether it's someone said it to you or something happened that you did or whatever, but it's always funny when I go to the doctor for like a checkup or something like that. And they get out that little, uh, thing that reads your, uh, your pulse, your oximeter, stick it, stick oximeter. it on your finger and they always pull and then they stop and they look and their eyes get really, really big and they just immediately start <laughs> apologizing. And I'm just like, Please no tell me you've taken advantage of that. Be like, <laughs> how dare you? And just make him feel yeah. horrible. <laughs> we uh, another funny story. That's uh, funny. We were in the uh, when I was at Our Lady of the Lake. I had um, they were reconstructing the, my thumb, and so they had to cut from my groin all the way up my side. They took um, the skin and the fat off of there, and they stuck it on the side of my hand, and stitched it on the side of my hand and it uh the skin like it kept dying so what they did is they um they stuck after they put that on there they stuck my thumb inside 
of my my body and they sewed my thumb inside of my body and then um so my thumb was sewed inside of me because the blood and stuff like that they said it helped it would help you know yeah keep it alive so for a couple days or maybe a week or so my thumb was sewed inside close by my groin and um so this nurse came in was like hey we have a lot of young students here and we would like to bring them in and show them because they'll probably they might not there's a chance they might never see this again so I, I was like yeah bring them on in we'll show them and so I rolled over to the side and I had my back turned to the door and they knocked on the door I was like hey Mr. Middleton uh we're here to check it I couldn't you know I don't think I can't think of the medical term for it but we're here to see it and it was a group full of young nurses and I just rolled over and I was like what is this what, am I, what is this am I some kind of you know science project y'all want to uh, poke me and stuff like that please tell me you were like please please tell me you were like i can't put my thumb on this right you know yeah but um i was like what is this am i some kind of some, some kind of freak in here that y'all y'all want to do is come and look in here and poke and touch me and, and man the girls man some of them got teary-eyed and walked out of the room they were just oh. yeah, <laughs> You sold it too much, man. That's right, right yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Exactly. So clearly you need to get into stand-up comedy. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I've gotten that numerous times, yeah. <laughs> I think Dustin had a question. Yeah, so yeah, you're a sci-fi guy. You like Star Wars, like the Luke Skywalker hand, all that. If you could imagine, say, in 40 years what technology is going to look like, what do you think your your hands in your life will be like, say, 40 years from now? Do you think it'll be kind of the same as far as prosthetics, or do you think there'll be some interesting new things that'll happen? I think it's definitely going to be some interesting new things. I've, I've actually seen where um, these people have – it was two people. It was, on, I can't, it was a YouTube video, and I don't know if they got like a – a chip or something installed in their brain or, or whatever and they slid this sleeve on their residual limb and they went to la- in this lab and the the arm was on a mannequin and they were using their mind they were able to operate the machine operate the arm so yeah, yeah that a lot of this stuff isn't, you know, FDA approved. It's all military and stuff. <laughs> sure, so yeah, sure. It's like exoskeleton it's, type stuff or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. I imagine, you know, that that stuff probably you won't see that probably for ten years or so or longer. Hmm. You've got a unique opportunity. You should like uh, use some of this dark humor you do and, and go after Elon and be like, "Hey, bro." <laughs> right. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just add him every day because you know he would a hundred percent be like, "I like this kid. Like, let's uh-huh. do this." You know, he'd be like, "I'm in for it." Definitely. Going back so, to the humor, I was going to say you probably have some really creative uh, Halloween costumes, right? Right. Like yeah, I thought and- um, I haven't really done anything yet, but I thought about um, each um, each year. My wife, her Mardi Gras crew, throws a Halloween party, and I've thought about nice. numerous times, like wanting to do like where she's a shark and I'm a surfer, and you That's know, good. shark <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so great. Up, That's funny. <laughs> That's really good. I'd say Captain Hook, Deus Ex. There's a lot of right, there's a yeah. lot of potential there, man. You have a lot right. of really cool opportunities for Halloween for sure. So clearly, to win the Halloween costume, you just have to go casually lose your hands, and then exactly, yeah, exactly. It, you know? that's, so man, that, the, that's the best takeaway from this, I guess. Yeah, and and after my accident, it was so many people would cook for us and bring us food over. The man, we didn't we didn't have to buy any food or oh, go out nice. to eat. It was like a whole year, and I was just. Wow, man! If I'd have known this was going to happen, I lost my hands years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, question: Have you ever been like, 
someone asks you like what happened and then you're like give them this crazy story have you ever like deviated from what really happened oh yeah man their heads yeah like for kids you know i tell them you know this is what happens when you don't when you wipe with your hands and not toilet paper or Or, um that's getting clipped yes (laughs) um yeah, you know, just made up all kinds of numerous things. I mean, we live in gator country. You could tell some awesome gator stories. Right, yes. <laughs> you know? Hopefully, Dustin, that's not you and me in a couple months. <laughs> uh, you know, you got to take those risks. It's, it's just part of it, yeah. <laughs> Dustin just would be upset because he couldn't grab cookies anymore, the big fat guy. <laughs> oh, I, I just, just get, yeah. yeah, I know. Just yeah. get in there like a dog. He'd just be like a dog, like going. Yeah, exactly. you know? <laughs> I, have, I have to do that Whatever from time to time. I'll sit there and look at it like something on my plate, and I'm just like, how am I going to grab this? And then finally, I just get impatient. I just, <sighs> just start eating. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with that, man. <laughs> yeah, you Sometimes you got to savage it, you know? That's yep. it. Um, I, I got a little bit of a different question. I don't know if you talked to your wife about the episode ahead of time. Is there anything that she wanted? dads to know or or maybe just spouses to know uh out there if, if something's going on I, I don't know if you guys talked about any of that no, kind of thing I, yeah, but... I, no um yeah i had we didn't talk about that okay you can you can come back for another episode in a couple months right yeah definitely i'd love that's to what we'll do. so why don't we uh let's go real light like favorite teams uh i assume lsu but like what you know what what like what are your other go things Tigers. that like you your huge hobbies and like and then I assume you're like raising your boys in that too, right? So just talk yeah, to us about so that kind of stuff. Sports are a big thing for me, man. Uh, like I said, I love LSU. My friend of mine in high school, he actually was a starting running back for LSU. And um, so nice. I really, I cheer for them just, you know, watching him play. And then um, the New Orleans Saints, of course. Um, Go Cowboys. Sorry, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's my wife's a Saints fan, and I hear crap every year, so I gotta I gotta rebuttal. The Aints? Sorry. You're talking yeah. about the Aints? Yeah. Wow. Definitely, hey. definitely, if they uh, get Derek Carr, they might not be. <laughs> yeah. Definitely yeah, a Saints really fan and a, and a big LSU fan. That's all I really I watch. It's just LSU. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Well, we'll, we'll forgive my, you then. LSU is my largest client, man. Um and my wife and I, we go to a lot of games. I would love to invite you and the wife and the family to come to a game with us, man. Oh, that'd be we awesome. Would, yeah. We would love you to guys have you will guys have to down, do a, You'll have to do like a mini cast, a mini podcast episode from the Absolutely, tailgate or something man. like that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Go Tigers. That's awesome, man. Definitely. There, it's a it's a cool place, man. I get to see some of the stuff. Um, so we, we actually supply all of – the medical supplies for pretty much all of LSU. They have one of the best veterinary schools in the country. Um, that's where a majority of the business comes from. Uh, the rest of it comes from like the football programs, sports programs, things like that. And they have just absolutely phenomenal people that work for them. Um, one of my best accounts, just, just because they're fun. They're great people. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting place. LSU, man, if you'd have told me 10 years ago, I'd be married to a Cajun have a little Cajun son, little Bayou Bennett, you know, and uh, had a had a LSU as a client. I'd have been like, dude, you're out of your mind. Right. Your son will forever be Bayou Bennett now. By the way, I will. That's oh, yeah, no, amazing. Yeah, else. that's oh, that's yeah. Bayou Bennett. That's my son. Yeah, um, and he'll he'll beat you up, George. So just watch it. Um, but now he can um, try. 
I'll give him like, 30 years. You may be too, but I'm going to show you what's up. <laughs> hey, you got to learn early, man. You got to you got to raise. You're going to learn today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're going to learn. But no, man, we, we definitely need to, to hook up and, and go check out some LSU stuff, man. They got That'd baseball awesome, going man. on. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Ready, yeah, they, uh, they just beat uh, Texas the other night, man. They're, they're killing it. They're so good this year. I'm a little nervous with them being ranked number one starting off because I think only 2,000 Miami is the only team that's been ranked at the number one at the beginning that's won it all. So it's kind of – Yeah. Well, we'll see. You know, yeah. they're going to fall from the rankings, I'm sure, and then they'll they'll jump back up. But they have a very, very talented young team. So I'm I'm excited, man. So we'll we'll see where they go, and then obviously you know me being from Mississippi, I'm a Mississippi Hale State. Brandon hates that because he's he's old pissed, but you know. All right, now, yeah, now that we have, I get it, I completely yeah. get it. I've got friends that graduated both places there. Yeah. So, um, you said you love sports. So, what? How often, or, or like, what are you doing with your boys? You know, I, I assume they're just rambunctious all the time. Yeah. Right now, Conrad's doing basketball. Okay. And um, so he has, you know, basketball practice and games that we're going to. We just signed him up from soccer. He loves soccer. And then we just signed him up for baseball, too. And then, like, we'll get, we'll get home and we'll go outside and he'll hit off the tee. And then, of course, Levi, he's two. He wants to do everything his big brother's doing. Right. So he set up a little tee off to the side and he'll hit off of it. And That's so funny. Yeah, he's Levi's my big sports guy. He kid, he loves he loves sports. Uh, Conrad, it's kind of he's he don't he really much rather just be hanging out, kind of watching the iPad, hanging out with mom. But I had, <laughs> I had to drag him out in the yard and make him hit balls. That's funny. That's good. Um, yeah, we we recently had uh, a guy on, and he gave a really great tip about some questions to ask, like in the car ride home. They were like, Mister Chris. Totally, yeah, that like I'm, I'll share it with you after this, but. You got two boys. I assume you're going to need them. And it was like life changing for me looking at that because, you know, I assume you're like me where you're like, oh, no, son, you got to do this better and you got to hit it better and swing better. And like they're six, you know, we're like all super intense, like it's, you know, the pros or whatever. So um, I guess, you know, given all the chaos that's gone on, how has it been an outlet for you guys, like just playing out in the yard and doing sports and things like that to still connect, even if maybe you couldn't do it the way you wanted to? Yeah, it's definitely – we connect a lot through sports. Of course, you know, I can't do the things that I would like to – like when I'm trying to teach him how to catch a ball or, you know, mm. or the right motions to, to throw the ball, it's hard for me to kind of translate it. Luckily, my wife, she played sports, and so she gets out there and she'll catch the ball and, and stuff like that at times, and she can translate kind of like what I'm saying to show him. That's good, man. Sorry, I was, I was stuck on mute again. <laughs> the mute um, goblin got you. Nice. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was a little did. slow on the click. So, uh, Dustin, Brandon, any final questions for Wells? We're about an hour and a half in. Wells, I just want to check with you too, make sure that you know timing wise, we're not holding you later than you need to be. No, not holding me up at all. All right. Good. My yeah, mom's I mean, got the boys tonight. Oh, perfect. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, speaking of sports, maybe a newfound appreciation for soccer. Right? Have you started playing at all? Yeah, I, that's what I thought when I meet. I was like, man, I'll never be able to get a handball, so I can all you know, I should be pretty decent at it, and yeah. uh, I wouldn't be able to play goalie. But yeah, yeah I um, I, uh, I get out there with my son and kick the ball around, and, and it's really fun. It's enjoyable, you know, being able to do things with my feet. You know, that's one thing that I can do. So definitely enjoying it. That's I was awesome. gonna ask you know if you ever became a runner. That was one of the exercises I love doing, regardless. I've thought, so, yeah, I've thought about it numerous times. Like, man, you need to run, you need to run. But I've always hated running, man. I always had to do track and field in, in high school. And I would do um, 
I would do the long, uh, the high jump and pole vault. And then those were the, usually the first two events. And then after that, I would have to, my coach would try to make me run. And I would run one race every year at the first track meet. He'd go, you hate running, don't you, Wells? Yes, sir. He's like, all right, you're not running anymore. And so I'd always just be done. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah. For some reason, I just can't I hate ever it too, do man. I love I it, hate man. It so it's much. Now. Uh, I did it for marathons, and yeah, I think I people who are not right in the head like to run. Well, I'm not right in the head. Call me not <laughs> right. Yeah, I, was, I definitely need to look into that and, and, and give it a shot, man. You should try, because and, and like, try to run for marathons. I think the thing I like most about running is it's it's so challenging in a different way. It tests it tests you mentally. So workouts are easy. They're like, okay, I'm lifting something heavy. I'm focusing on muscle groups, like. I'm trying to make the most of, of gains, growths, whatever. Running is like, when you get to a certain point, it's mentally challenging. And I'm sure Dustin and George and everybody are like tired of me saying David Goggins, but the dude just gets it. Like, I know, I know. We're Shut talking about David Goggins. Almost made it one y'all. episode, ladies and gentlemen. Shut we're up. Like, Shut an up. hour I'm... and 32 minutes in. And we've, here we go. Here he is. David we made it. Okay. Sorry. Goggins, well, it's man. kind of a running internal joke. You're just having to deal with it now. But, I get it. All right, we almost made it, guys. Yeah, oh, too bad you didn't make it. Um, stay hard. Um, but it's it's just one of those things, man. Like, like seriously, when you get to a certain like mileage or you you really push yourself, you you have to dig deep. You have to like go in your mind. And and honestly, music is one of the things I use for it too. Uh, I just. I don't know. It's different. And then like you get to the point where you actually truly get a second wind and you can really start like picking up your pace and going after it and you can find new challenges. And that's why I challenge you to just kind of try that back out, man, because honestly, I feel like you're missing out because you have something that you can still utilize mm-hmm. and it it, it it can put you in a euphoric state. It's I, I don't know. I just I've always been a huge fan yeah, of running. And- I hate running, but to be fair, like you don't need. Well, you're in the military, dude. Well, you don't have like, to like push yourself to like the brink, right? You you can kind of just like. Well, and your right, boys yeah, as they get older. It, it amazes me seeing too, people right? post you can start things. going with them, and yeah, see people, see yeah. people post stuff on Instagram. They ran ten miles or, or twenty miles. I'm just like, man, I can't even walk that. <laughs> yeah, poor yeah. George. He can run, you know, ten miles in a hundred degree heat, and he's already passing me on the way back. A piece of crap. I mean, <laughs> well, not just, so much anymore, he, but. He whines so much, and he's like, "I can run with a hundred pound rock star." Ha ha ha! And I'm like, "Whatever, dude." You know, six foot two. I, I will. I will say, as much as I hate it, like if it's like about fifty degrees outside and sprinkling, it is perfect because you can run and it just like your body doesn't overheat, it's your great. joints don't swell, and it, it there is something kind of just like you're the only guy out there because it's raining a little bit. You know, no All one right. else is walking around. It is kind of nice, but that's like the one time I enjoy it. <laughs> You can so, make it specialist. Like I said, it's about perspective. No, you, not, yeah, it, if you kind of coast and you're not like killing yourself, it, there is for sure like a, a well, peaceful quietness about it that, you know, anyway. Yeah, and you can I get some ramble. killer workouts. Well, no, you can get some killer workouts from it too. Like I'm telling you, I've never seen anyone, and I'm. this is why we call Dustin Quadzilla to this day, and you guys probably don't know this story, but I watched Dustin throw, and I'm not exaggerating. I want to say it was like, 15 45 pound weights on this sled put me i'm 200 it was pounds. 16 but yeah don't worry okay 16 <laughs> and then he threw like every 35 he could find he threw me a 200 pound guy and another 200 pound guy on this on carpet and ran like not walked not barely pulled but like full-on force ran this thing probably i want to say an eighth of a mile and then came back 
I was terrified of Dustin after that until I saw him hit a punching bag and then I laughed, but you know, it was just like, this dude is the strongest guy I think I've ever seen in my life. Like, yeah. Well, had... you're a significantly better boxer than me. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> Stick and move, baby. Stick and move. So, well, it's the thing I can tell you about running marathons is you start small, you start with five K's and running five K's are really cool. They're a lot of fun. You can even organize your own. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, really easy to do. But um, one of the best things that I did, there's a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And the book is absolutely phenomenal cool. about creating good habits in your life. And one of the things that I did was, um, and, and this is kind of touched lightly in the book, is you have to create something positive that you can only do when you're uh, like when you're training. So like I have a playlist or an audio book that I'm only allowed to listen to that's really, really good when I'm running or when I'm doing that specific thing, that goal that I'm trying to achieve. So like when I was running marathons, I would run a 5k every other day. That was the goal. And mm -hmm. I would have the specific playlist of really good music that I just, just kind of got me away. And I would run at nighttime when it was cool, like maybe 70 degrees, it's quiet and you just run around your neighborhood, man. It's, oh, it's incredible, man. Find a good, beautiful place. Just, man. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. I definitely recommend Truly. it for sure. Truly. I'm that's that's the great shot. thing about Ryan. But all right. Uh Wells, where can people support you, follow you? Like I, I don't know if you've even gotten to that point yet, if you're still just testing the waters, but if you're gonna start a foundation, you know, how how can people kind of follow you and maybe start getting involved and yeah, you so know. the real thing right now is just you know, my Instagram, it's you know, my name, and then I have a uh, a TikTok. It's the no handed bandit. The no handed bandit. That's <laughs> yeah. so good, man. <laughs> oh my god. No handed bandit. And then uh like again on Instagram, it's Wells Middleton. And right, uh, I, right now, I, yeah, I gotta um I'll post those in the in the comments section so people can see. Yeah. This. So there you know, right you know, and just I I have, you know, guys and people in general struggle with you know, telling you how they feel when they're, you know, down out. Cause I suffer from anxiety and depression, you know, I'm, I have PTSD and I know especially guys don't like to talk about it, but you know, if people, you know, want to follow me my DMS are always open and I'm, uh, I'm easy to talk to and I'd love to help out anybody. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought I was muted for a second. So, um, can you get to the end here, but can you elaborate a little bit more too on like, you know, PTSD. And, and this is something I've liked to say, uh, you know, cause I, I was in the military. I don't really have PTSD from anything that like happened to me or whatever. Um, and unfortunately in our society, I think people just think, Oh, PTSD must be a veteran or something, but right, the military yeah. doesn't have, the military doesn't have like the corner of the market on trauma. It's a human experience. Right. Mm -hmm. So like how has, you know, without getting into too much detail, but like how, how much has that impacted your life? What do you do to, kind of move through it and you know what are maybe some tips that people can take from that because i think to a degree and this is something mason said too is like you know people have experienced things up to a point in their life so far and like that's their limit right so comparative suffering doesn't really work you know some people may be struggling with a lot even though maybe to someone else it doesn't seem like it so what are some things yeah. that you've done that help you on a consistent basis that you know are kind of universal for others to take yeah so and my ptsd and of course, you know, it, it's robbed me of a lot of things, man. There's, you know, it's, there's times where I'm, you know, I'm having it bad and I just, I just shut down and I go and just sit in my room and don't do anything or I should, I've, you know, we had something planned to do. And then I'm start, you know, I start getting nervous and, 
it's almost like you, it's, it feels like you're constantly looking over your shoulder for the next bad thing to happen. And um, thing, the key to it is, is just whenever you're feeling that way, you just continue to do what you're going to do. If you have something planned that day, don't deviate from the plan when you're feeling anxiety or depression. Just stay to it and uh, keep your plan and stay to it and stick to it. That's good, man. Th thanks for being like candid about that and your whole story. Um, yeah, I think we, I speak for everyone here when I say that uh, it takes courage to come forward and, and share something so personal and then just be real about it. And uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, you're, you're an awesome guy. And so I'll just go around the horn one last time for any, any questions or comments from the group. And uh, of course we'll yield to you too, if you have anything else you want to say, but uh, Dustin, Brandon, Justin, you guys got anything else for Wells? I just want to recommend kickball or soccer, not running. If I had to pick, yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, Brandon, just re really appreciate your your courage and um, your fortitude, man. Uh, it takes a lot of fortitude to to keep putting one foot in front of the other um, and anchor yourself in Christ and in today. That would be, yeah. I'll be praying for you, man. Thank you so much. I'm gonna go opposite of B. I appreciate your humor, man. That's, yeah. that's awesome, man. Like that's, that makes it, that makes things so much better having humor about anything just because life's too serious as it is, man. So, oh yeah, definitely. Is. Yeah, no, I, but all joking aside, like I really do appreciate you coming on, man, and sharing your story. I think it's uh it's a great one. And, and I think it's one that people need to hear because uh, I think you have a lot to offer to other people. So thank you so much. Well, so you got any, any last comments or thoughts for the group? I just want to thank y'all for allowing me to share my story on y'all's platform. And it was very nice meeting all y'all. Yeah, man. Well, uh, we'll have to do a, a in-person rendezvous. At least Justin, he's, he's pretty close to you. Uh, oh yeah, man. We're going to be yeah. hanging in VR. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Man, that'd be great. I'd love that. Yeah. Well, this has been a blast, man. I think, uh, this is, you just like, I love your humor. Just like Justin said, uh, so, so great. And, um, you know, I want to thank your family too, for being so supportive and, and uh, obviously, you know, their love and care has, has helped get you to this point, too. So um, thank you for making the time for us. Uh, we'll have to have you back here pretty soon. Um, maybe maybe we can, like, do a whole joke session. We can prep some right. more yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But, I love yeah, that, yeah. too, man. Yeah. Um, so thank you. And one more time for everyone listening or watching, check out Wells on Instagram. It's Wells Middleton. Uh, I believe he'll come right up if you search that. Um, mm -hmm. And then the No Handed Bandit on TikTok, probably the greatest handle of all time. Oh my God. Uh, that'll be pretty hard legend. to top. Absolute legend. Um, well, keep us posted if if you move forward on a foundation or anything like that. Um, let us know. We'd love to be supportive. And I think pretty much everyone listening would, would want to get involved also. So um, thank you so much for your time. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Present Fathers Podcast. Please check us out on YouTube. Uh, we are on Spotify. Uh, it helps a lot if you like the video, share it. Um, Wells family watching or listening, please help us out too. Um, and we'll have him back hopefully with a much bigger audience next time. So that'll do it for tonight. Wells, again, thank you so much. Thank you to your family and God bless you. All right, man. Thanks. Take care, everyone. See y'all. Yeah. Have a good night, everyone. Good night. Thank you. Thanks for watching this episode of the Present Fathers Podcast. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode.